You are listening to the Local Hearted Podcast, episode number 13, with painter Jim Stilwell, and I am putting a parental warning on this episode. I advise parents and anyone else with children in their care to pause the audio when the intro music starts and visit localhearted.com slash Jim Stilwell to read the show notes before listening to this episode in the presence of children. And Stillwell is spelled S-T-I-L-W-E-L-L. That is one L in still and two L's in well. Welcome to the Local Hearted Podcast. I'm Meredith Adler, and I am your host. Join me as we get to know the people who create the wide variety of art in Asheville and in the mountain counties of Western North Carolina. We'll also talk with some of the people who create opportunities for our local artists and help them shine. Hello, this is Meredith, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Local Hearted Podcast. My guest this week is Jim Stilwell, an Asheville area artist who has been making quite the transformation from commercial illustrator to painter of visions. To see what I mean, check out localhearted.com slash Jim Stilwell to see an example of Jim's architectural drawing compared to his style of paintings. Jim's paintings often include Native American imagery and imagery involving the natural elements and the spiritual world. And the paintings are influenced by the vision quests he has completed. Jim talks in detail about what those quests were like and how they led him to create the kinds of paintings he does now. He also talks about painting the visions of others, which he refers to as collaborations. Jim has some stories to share about the powerfully positive effects these collaborations have had for military veterans. And Jim has donated art to support the Warrior Connection, a group that helps veterans adjust to their return from deployment. One thing I really love about the interview is Jim's ability to express for us the reason he creates paintings, what they mean to him. He explains in the interview that on his second quest, he went with the intention to find his soul gift and was somewhat surprised to learn that it is not his art. I'll let you listen to Jim describe in his own words what his soul gift actually turned out to be and the role his paintings play in the process. I am excited and honored to present to you the interview with this painter of inspired visions, Jim Stilwell. Jim, thank you so much for joining me on the Local Hearted Podcast today. I'm really happy to have you here. Well, you're welcome, Meredith. I'm excited about it. A little nervous as well, to be honest with you, because nobody's ever interviewed me. Um, so I feel honored that, uh, that you asked me. Oh, yeah. thank you. I feel really excited okay. that you said yes, because I 
am a big fan of your work, as I have told you. So yes. really, you. yeah, yeah, really excited about it. And I like to start by asking the artists just to describe what they do a little bit, because I feel like I could do that, but nobody okay. could do that as well as you. Um, basically, I, I coined a phrase that I create art that evokes the human spirit. And it, it kind of encompasses a, a lot. Um, and it's based on um, the journeys I've had in my life because I didn't start out as, a, as, as quote, just a, a regular artist. I, I you know, was a commercial artist. And um, I found out through the years that there is a separation between a commercial artist and an artist, even though I was rebellious to, you know, say, oh, what, what do you mean I'm not an artist? But um, now I'm creating art that, um, that speaks from my heart and speaks from other people's art if I'm collaborating. And it's not for, um, the end product is not to get you to buy something or manipulate your mind to, to um, um, think a certain way. Um, it's just basically, it's, a, it's an emotional response that comes from the art, you know, through me as well um, as my clients, or especially if it's something I just created by myself. Um, so I'm excited about that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my art is based on um, what I find it is my, my soul gift is um, kind of a delivery system for compassion. And I've been exploring a lot of that over the last few years is um, um, my thread of compassion that I have in my life and, and how I relate to other people as well. And, um. Okay, and could you talk about, you use a certain type of theme of imagery. Could you talk about that? Uh, well, it's, it's, very, it's very realistic. I don't, I don't do a lot of abstracts, so my image, uh, the images I use are, are realistic. So people, anybody can relate to them and look at them and okay, say, hey, this is this, this is that. Um, so the elements are, are very clear. And I, I want that to be, I want them to, to not have to do too much thinking when they look at a piece of artwork. Mm -hmm. um, of course, they can interpret any way they want to, but I, I tilt uh, my imagery more to the, that realistic side just to make it a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. for everybody you know to tell for me to tell the story they're realistic and also some of the things that are going on in there are not things you would see in the natural world with right. your eyes right. necessarily there, yeah there's a lots of um you know there's there's a, there's a spiritual edge to it um um which comes up i actually when i use figures um a lot of the figures based on me um the beginning because a lot of times I use myself as a, mo as a model and I do that unintentionally or unintentionally I'm always getting a little bit of piece of me into every piece of artwork mm -hmm. you know if there's somebody in there and if it's a male or even a female I still may have a little bit in, in that um, that image that, uh, that somebody can say hey that looks like you you know it's like yeah I think it, it does look like me mm -hmm. so uh, it's very personal right what you it's are very doing. personal yeah. And when I first started doing the art, uh, what led me into it, um, when I was, I went to a, um, kind of a, my first vision quest, which wasn't really an official vision quest as much as a discovery of myself. And um, I was 
being I was burned out from my commercial art um, career after 35, 36 years doing that. Um, and I, I and I I was actually even soured to doing artwork because I all day long, eight hours a day, you know, six seven days a week, because all I'm doing is creating commercial art. So I had no motivation to want to be creative after hours. Mm-hmm. And um, I got burned out um, to the point where I was doing anything. I wanted to be creative, so I, I got into photography because it didn't take that much thought for me to do photography. I was able to do something creative without having to get out my paints and, and make a big mess. And mm-hmm. It was a more instant gratification from that. So within my first journey, I realized, okay, maybe I need to step back from what I'm doing. Um, and it took me about six, six months to kind of scale myself back. And then eventually I made this really drastic move where I just shut my business down about 90% of it and moved completely out of the area and moved up to here. So all of a sudden I've got a, a resurgence of my creativity and I said, you know, now I can actually go do something I want to do. And I'm thinking, okay, what is that going to be? You know, I don't want to do anything that has buildings in it, first of all, because uh, doing architectural illustration, everything was involved buildings. And so I said, no, none none of that, no landscapes, because that's boring. And I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And after my journey, I took an experience that I had and um, I got out watercolor. Uh, which I hadn't really worked in water, pure watercolor without having to do line work and then watercolor. And um, I created an image and I go, wow, this is pretty cool. And um, over a, a course of, of, of a couple years, I, you know, I had more experiences and I started putting more experiences down. And then I started showing my artwork to others. Uh, they were excited about it. And um, so within the small community, which is, um, I, can I mention the Hero's Journey Foundation, um, based on Joseph Campbell, my artwork was seen by this small group of people. Um, they were excited about it. Then somebody asked me, well, can you take an experience I had and can you, can you um, help me cr- uh, put it into an image form because I'm not artistic. So I did that. So now I, I started doing collaboration with people and their experiences. So it's almost, and I don't say it's an accident, but getting to where I am now artistically was probably, there was some divine or spiritual guidance that put me to where that is because now I know exactly what I should be doing. Um, and the art that I'm creating is, is, is what I should be doing at this point in time. And I really feel strongly about that. That is wonderful to know to really know you're in the right place, right time, doing what you're called to do. What a good feeling that must be. So, wow, you have said a lot and it makes me want to go down several avenues. First of all, I guess I wanna encourage people to check out your website okay. because I want them to see what you were doing as an illustrator (laughs) and how intensely you were doing buildings and what detail you had and what they look like. And that is at jimstillwell.com. Yes, that'll link um, people to, uh, the first site I put together uh, was during the last recession. Um, And this is where my burned out um, period started 
really showing because I had a, a little more free time. And I'd already been, in my career, I'd been through like five recessions and recovered because um, people would still come to me for ideas to get things going. Um, even if there was no money around, people still wanted to, to get buildings put up. But this last go around, I said, you know, I'm getting kind of tired and I started doing cartooning, uh, which mm-hmm. was fun because that was a, that was a, um, a comic, comic release. And uh, there was also a lot of messages that came through my cartoons that were important. Within that recession, um, I started to think, well, maybe I should put some things up on the internet. So I, I put my artwork up, but then I, had, I made it an educational website. All the secrets I had and things I learned over the years as an old school illustrator with old school perspective, you know, because now everything's mostly computer, um, I put that out there and I was actually told by some of my competitors, like, well, you just, you can't just put that stuff out there for free. And I said, yes, I can. Mm-hmm. It's my stuff and these are ideas that I came up with. Um, so that was the first generation of my website. And I also thought, well, maybe I can make some money because I ran some ads on there and I read somewhere that somebody was making a lot of money off of, off of um, um, uh, putting up Google pages. Um, and I found out that wasn't really true, but it was, it was good for me because I got to put 40 years uh, of things I'd done even as, as a kid, almost as if it was like my legacy. Um, mm-hmm. And in addition to that, I, I gave all these secrets that were potentially help other um, illustrators. And so that was kind of cool to put up there. And I have literally a hundred pages of stuff and I have thousands of things I've done over the years. So that was my first generation. Um, and then as I was moving into um, my new phase of art, I put up a, um, a regular website, got uh, jimstillwell.com. Uh, it's easier to get to. The other one has all sorts of, it's like Google pages that sites, blah, blah, oh, okay. learning to draw. We can put a link to both of yeah, your sites. On. Right, and, and you can actually get to the other site too, jimstillwell.com, which is a lot easier. Um, okay. And, and because the other ones, people will find that just if they search by name or just search for how to draw buildings. It's, it, it shows up, fortunately, it shows up in the first page of the, of the search engine every time because there's nobody else doing it. So I've always Everybody else that. is keeping their secrets. Yeah, yeah everybody else is keeping their secrets. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so my new my new site has it has all my new stuff uh, that I'm doing, and also has a little bit of the, the other things I do as well. And then even has my cartooning and has stories and things like that, um, because there's lots of interesting stories about projects that I've done over the years too. And now the new the new artwork even has more interesting stories and the more pertinent stories um, mm-hmm. to where I am now. Okay, and we'll hopefully get to some of that because. Okay. You do have some interesting stories. Okay, so I want to back up and make sure I'm clear. You, that first watercolor that you did after you were burned out and doing photography, that came from an image you had during a vision quest? Yes. Is that accurate? That's right. And what was that vision quest like? Um, The vision quest was good because it was the first, it actually put me back into the natural world. I, I grew up in an, an area was um, I kind of out in the country, you know, outside of Ohio, and I was away from that. I'm living in an urban area in Florida. Uh, although I spent time in nature, did a lot of scuba diving and underwater things, you know, I'm still stuck in a house between millions of other houses. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't actually in a natural environment. So my first vision quest actually put me in a place 
that I was actually in back into the nature environment. It was you know 400 acres in the middle of nowhere up in West Virginia, and um, the contact I had to get here was through my wife Adriana, who um, went to a school for uh, energy healing, and one of her instructors uh, runs this program, the Heroes Journey Foundation, and. Um, and I talked to him for like 15 minutes during her graduation, and he kind of hooked me in. It's like, this sounds really cool. I gotta go up there. I'm gonna go somewhere, I'm gonna challenge my mind, I'm gonna challenge my body. There's lots of physical uh, things to do up there. Um, and I didn't realize that the physical things were gonna really lead me into processing a lot of junk that I was going through, and I didn't realize I was harboring. Um, I was dealing with, like I say, part of my midlife crisis you know, being burned out was also missing my father, who had died when I was a kid, and there was problems I had but prior to him dying, so like I say, that brought up things as well. Um, so during this, this, this I, I call it a vision quest, um, there was a lots of challenging things, a lot of it involved um, being around fire, there were fire elements, there was a fire walk, um, a sweat lodge, which you put yourself in an intense lodge with 70 other men and the heat is extremely for me it, it was it was very extreme and um, I don't do really well under a lot of heat but within those there's a lot of trauma that came up a lot of things came up that uh, um, that were revelations to my life and um, so my the first image um, and it was almost a graphic as well because it was it's a it was a Native American standing over the earth and um, he was breathing fire down to the earth and the fire was forming the word love and it was surrounding the earth. Um, so it was kind of an, ima an image that, ca uh, that came to my mind because that's who I felt I was coming home with. I was coming home with this power to, you know, of, um, to spread the love that I found within this community and spread it to the rest of the, the, the world. And I felt the Native American was symbolic of, of somewhere deep and down inside of me, something tribal, um, you know, and who knows, I think we all, like I say, we all come from a civilization that were very primitive and, and also very spiritual at the same time. So I used that as the image for it. Um, and it, like I say, it kind of became a graphic because uh, you could see the word love and you could see the word fire and at the top. Uh, it says, "Breathe the, uh, breathe the fire, breathe the love fire," and um, some of the poetry I came home with, which I didn't realize I was even a poet. I had written that in a poem, and I gave myself a Native American name, um, uh, "Breath of Fire." Um, mm -hmm. So I used that within the image. So that was the first thing that I came up with, and then I printed it out and put it on the cover of my journal and. I hung it up in the house or whatever, and it was an inspiration because I created an altar for myself. I came home with things, and and I also started carving things. I carved a Native American pipe, a talking stick, uh, several things that I put on the altar um, as well. So that, like I said, that was the first thing that came up to me, and then the second image was a was was an image of. Um, me crossing a 200-foot uh, uh, rope bridge um, because they took us up to this um, this rock uh, uh, rocky area to climb rocks, which you know scared the heck out of me. 
and you know in addition to climbing these rocks and having to be you know strapped in then it, we came up to this 250 foot rope bridge and then we were you know instructed like you know you can either pass you know cross it or bypass it so i went across it and a lot of stuff came up with me because i'm looking down to 2000 feet and even though i still was connected to a cable if you fell off the cable you're still going to fall 20 feet and you're hanging by a cable so that didn't give me much com comfort but when I went into this, over this bridge, the rocks, they actually, these rocks, they look like a big dragon tail. And um, a story from um, the journey, the, the hero's journey from jo Joseph Campbell, it says which crosses lots of cultures, ev um, eventually on your journey, you're gonna, you're gonna go into the belly of the beast. Things are gonna get really bad before they get good. So, this image, uh, as I was crossing over, I envisioned, you know, going into the belly of the beast at this point. So my image is my rope bridge going into actually this dragon's belly, and the dragon is is looking back at me with its its jaws open and just shooting out flames in all directions, and I'm standing on the bridge holding the sword, and this these flames and it's protecting me, and the flames are coming around me, wow. and I'm still proceeding across the bridge. So that was the most, that was probably the most profound, powerful image that, that came um, after that first one. And these types of images, I'm really curious because I did look at the architectural work that you did. It really looks like very intensive work. These types of images you were doing, you had never had any experience of like wanting to paint like that or anything no, before not, well, the vision quest? No, I didn't. Um, you know, I think when I was a kid, though, I, I did a lot of adventures. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of kids would read comic books or, mm -hmm. you know, and I did a lot of, you know, uh, adventurous play on my own because I could, I could be very content being by myself, you know, with my imagination. But most of the things I did, I almost created my own comic books and coloring books. Ah. I would draw, um, you know, I remember, like, I would draw... Um, like people going down and I cut cross sections of the earth and we'd have these adventures where I draw people going into the earth and they are building things or something like that so I think it's very close what I'm doing now is close to the early stuff because there was a lot of people involved with it um, and there, were, there was often imagination and of course the buildings I'm limited because I'm you know, I'm showing something that's going to be built and right. um, I can't go too far with that beyond what was designed by the architect or, or, right. or, or developer. So there were whispers of it in your childhood. Right, and it's probably just lay dormant. Mm -hmm. uh, because the, you know, a lot of the renderings that involve architecture, there's people in there and... Mm -hmm. um, but were you, I guess what I'm wondering too is when you were drawing all those buildings, beautifully drawn as they are, were you frustrated that you weren't able to do creative work or it just really wasn't crossing your mind yeah i think that you know because a lot of it I, it was you know like things were dictated if it was something in color mm -hmm. you know okay here this is what this of course this is what the building is going to look like mm -hmm. you know somebody else has designed it and this is the color it's going to be you know, and then it ends up being something that well that, that's a horrible color i don't want to do with that um so it was it was very stagnating to be held back and and i was actually just thinking of a moment when I was working, before I went off on my own, I was um, I was a little more daring. I had a project I was working on, 
and when nobody was looking, I took an overlay of tissue paper. It was, it was a um, high-rise building in downtown Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And um, then I, I, I put an overlay of tissue paper, and I started creating an adventure. On the, I had <laughs> King Kong crawling up the building. I had um, police showing up down below. And I, and I left it on the sketch. And my boss actually came in during the weekend and found that. And he, he mentioned it. I don't think he... I, I think he was a little upset because he bought the client in who was in the, oh. <laughs> the front. But it didn't go very far. But that, I think that was, a, for me, it was like, okay, that's what I really want to do. I, I want to be able to, to be, you know, like work for Disney where they, they give you free range to do anything. And, they, you know, the more creative you are, the better. Uh-huh. You know, and, that, and now I'm doing that. I get to do whatever I want. Nobody's mm-hmm. really, you know, dictating that one. Or, so I think... I think the fact that they're dictated to do something specifically, it, it did hold, hold me back. Uh, but then again, um, it was very rare that I would take a weekend and start painting something because then I, I was tired and exhausted from, you know, doing art all week. Oh, and yeah. So it, it would yeah. take a lot to, to get motivated. So some of the things I had actually painted early on were just painting from photographs of something that was already existing, mm-hmm. you know, like dolphins or... If it was something natural like that, um, it was usually based on something I took a picture of and it came out looking very close to exactly what the, the photograph looked like, mm-hmm. uh, which was kind of, nowadays, is kind of pointless because we just must use photography instead of painting. Doesn't really satisfy. Right. Yeah. So, Jim, can we put some time frames on this? Sure. I'm curious about... And this is partly because I see where you are now. I've, okay. The paintings that you do now. Um, wondering when it was that you moved here and then when you went and did that vision quest and started this new way of painting. Okay. Um, it's easy for me because it's an even year. It was 2010. And it was July 2010 I took my first vision quest. And... Um, Within six months, you know, when I came back, I was so excited, and I told my wife, and she, she saw me and said, wow, you're just a whole different person. And I started doing really strange things, you know, um, that I hadn't done before. And um, I decided we're going to go back to West Virginia and go camping, and we went up to do some camping up there. Um, I went on a um, kind of on a, my only little quest. I went and I took a, a course in uh, family constellation is called where you can go you can release a lot of things you know as i didn't identified things in my first quest like say that i was problems with releasing the, the memory of my dad um, and this constellation helps you do that and helps you actually release uh, negative stuff from your uh, your lineage all the way back to grandfathers and, and your ancestors so i did that and i decided i'm going to go and take a few days myself or uh, actually a week uh, my brother had wanted me to come up and pet, pet sit his dogs. So I said, what a perfect time for me to take a road trip. So um, after this constellation, my wife went to, to the, the constellation with me. She went back home, back to South Florida. I got in the car and, and started heading up to, to meet my... Um, uh, I went to stay with my, uh, my brother-in-law uh, for a while and I wanted to part of my quest was to understand my brother-in-law a little bit more because our relationship you know wasn't very strong because I didn't know him that well because it was, you know we're two different people in two different areas and one of the things I wanted to understand was uh, because he was a hunter I wanted to understand what that was like because I didn't mm-hmm. I couldn't relate to that 
So I went with him and I actually saw the spiritual side of my brother-in-law because although we didn't actually hunt, we went out and scouted. Uh, he went out and I sat with him um, went early morning and we just waiting for deers to show up and he was telling me what things he thought about. Um, so there was a real spiritual edge to it, not a sporting edge to it. So I learned a lot from him spending time with him. And then I went up and I, um, I met with my brother and I got to open up a conversation because we both had gone to the trauma of losing our dad um, to cancer and we were teenagers and it was very traumatic for us, but we've never really had a chance to discuss it as adults. Mm -hmm. So I spent several days um, talking to him and there was lots of revelations that he hadn't realized that were going on during that time back in the 70s and those things that he mentioned I didn't know what was going on. So it was, that was a, a healing, part of the healing that opened up from the vision quest. Um, and then I took care of his dogs. He, I was by myself for a week and I started uh, to write more poetry and I wrote stories and things like that, which was good. It was a creative time for me. I went back and um, I was involved with, of course, my work and work in, was still kind of slow because of um, the recession in uh, 2010, you know, things just hadn't recovered. Um, so still in Florida. Still in Florida. 2010. So okay. uh, we, I came uh, December, um, decided, well, we're going to take another road trip back up to visit my sister. And while doing that, she lives near Charlotte. Uh, I was going to come back and go see my brother who's in Franklin, which is halfway in between. We're, Asheville is halfway in between Charlotte and Franklin. So coming through Asheville, my sister said, well, why don't you check out Asheville in a way, because she, I've always been hearing these great things and I, I'd never really spent any time up here to, uh, in one way or another. And um, so my wife and I came through Asheville and it was right, I think it was right after, right before that big snowstorm in 2010. Um, and it had already snowed once, but not that big one that everybody got snowed in. Uh, but I, um, we looked around, it was nice and quiet in the mountains, and, then, and I kind of realized I missed the snow being from Ohio and not having that happen in uh, Florida. And any time I left Florida, it was usually for a warmer area or somewhere uh, uh, mild climate. And um, something just said, hey, hey this, let's move to Asheville. It's as simple as that. Uh, we, st we spent a night and a half here. We went um, um, to some downtown restaurants, and I didn't realize it wasn't such a big, scary town. I thought it was a, just going to be a big city and didn't want that. Um, and we, we got a real estate guide. We went home, and um, within um, between December and March, sold the house, um, bought property in Fairview outside of Asheville, committed to building a um, uh, kind of a manufactured house um, but everything happened perfect you know the house sold within uh, and even within a bad economy our house sold within uh, a week after putting it up wow. for sale wow actually had two people bidding on it and partially because we had put a lot into our house we've been there for 25 years and we we made it a unique house it was like a little bed and breakfast in the middle of um, an urban environment so that, that, that was helpful because it didn't look like a typical house. But then we came up and we, we were looking for bare property because we were intending to build our own little house. And uh, we found property in three days. You know, some people, they say they look for things for a long time. We committed to a house um, a, and it was actually a local company 
that builds roundhouses and, and is right here based in Asheville. So there's another synchronicity there, like that all worked out perfectly and they source everything from the lo locally sourced. Yeah. So all these uh, forces seem to conspire to get you here. Right, and within that nine months from, from the middle of uh, 2010, now the house is gonna start being built um, a whole year later in 2011 um, and it went up pretty quickly and um, I had I had given like I say part of my transition was I took I walked into 80% of my clients and said I'm, I'm sorry I'm quitting um, and it was good it was eye-opening for me because it what it transpired which was kind of sad in a way you know I realized okay it wasn't it wasn't me they were losing it was um, it was what I was producing for them. Your skills. Yeah, my skills. So it's kind of like, where are we going to get our, our architectural renderings from? It's like, not like, best of wishes, I hope everything goes well. And that was the most of the response I had was kind of like, well, you know, like you're leaving this high and dry. It's like, you know, I've done all these things for you. I've probably worked for you longer than most people producing things and, and getting, you know, making you money as well. You know, I made money, but ultimately made you a lot of money. So it was disappointing, and um, I felt kind of bad because it wasn't like I got my retirement party and everybody was like, wish me, you know, mm -hmm. wish me well. Mm -hmm. It was just like, okay, it was just like, okay, I just went in there, t said my piece, and, and I haven't heard from any of those people I did disconnect from, I, um, maybe one or two over the last five years. Make it a little easier to leave. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think that was made me, it made it real easy to, to leave and make a disconnect from there. And I kept probably three or four clients that I, I've had a long relationship with. Um, they were all architects, no developers, and they've all had really good attitudes over the years, easy to work with. So mm -hmm. that made it easier to, because I still needed to have some income coming in. You got to things. choose. Though. I got to pick and choose nice. my best clients and leave. So that made it, made it really easy. And then when I came, like I say, the, the house is settled at this point. Uh, we've already started building it um, in 2011. Um, I was still doing my architectural uh, illustration work within the, the clients I had, which gave me time to actually help build the house. And it took me about a year to finish up the house into 2012. And at that point, I went back to the, um, the hero's journey for my second um, time. They, um, my, my intention there was eventually become uh, what they call a steward, which actually helps other people. They come in and you work and you, you, you feed people and you help them uh, with some of these, these um, physical elements. Um, but they want you to come twice to experience that. And that was good because the more stuff came up. Mm. Um, and um, I came back um, at, at that point, I've already started doing some of the artwork we talked about earlier, but now I've done some other artwork and I was doing artwork uh, from some other people's experiences. So that's where I think the collaboration, doing collaboration things started happening because um, that second journey, say, brought up new things. There was new things and challenges I'd gone through. Um, and I say I've got, I've got in addition to that, my wife had gone through the program, so she had some things that she was doing. So it gave me lots of material, lots of material to work with. Um, so I wasn't lacking, uh, like, okay, what do I need to do next? Mm -hmm. No um, looking for inspiration. Right. Lots of imagery already running around in there. Absolutely. Okay. So from 2012, like I say, that was my second journey. 
And then, um, and I'm kind of unclear specifics uh, over the next couple of years, um, but in 2015, um, I went on um, a very intense uh, vision quest. And it was based on um, a book that was recommended to us called Soulcraft by um, Bill Plotkin. And I recommend that book to anybody. It's, it's kind of intense. you got to read it a couple of times. Well, I, I had to read it a couple of times to, to really get what it was heading, uh, heading for. But the experiences I had on my first vision quest, I was right on the edge. I felt I was on the edge of something. Because um, the, last, uh, the second to the last day, they, they let you go out and they call it the walk in spirit. And while walking in the spirit, uh, they also, you fast for 24 hours. And it's right after an intense experience that you have in the sweat lodge. So your mind is very expanded. And then you just wander off. Uh, there's 400 acres and you can wander off wherever you want for 24 hours and then come back after that experience. So, but I knew there was something because at, during that one day, especially the fasting, because I took away the distraction of eating, that's where all this, this creative energy was flowing through me. And I started writing poetry and, and songs and things like that. And um, like I said, the images came up that I put in my journal. So this, this vision quest that I took recently, this book said, okay, now this is, imagine being in the desert um, for 10 days. And four of those days, you're off on your own, totally away from everything and not eating. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty intense. I mean, I, you know, I, I knew I could get to a day, and I've done that. But four days, it was scary to think about that. But the book had um, talked about these incredible experiences people were having. Um, so, um, and my wife actually, she went with me, but we were in two, two different areas of the desert. And she was going for different reasons, and I was going for different reasons. And we had to clear that to the program because they didn't want couples to come and rescue each other. Mm-hmm. If, you know, that's what, and they normally, they normally said no couples could to come to there. So we did this extensive interview and we told our guides, okay, what we were heading for. So they, they, they took a leap of faith and let us come. And, and they said, actually, if, they, if we hadn't even said that and we showed up with different names, they wouldn't even know we were connected. So within that, um, that vision quest was out um, in the desert near San Diego, about two hours into the desert. It was a beautiful place, and I didn't even realize it. I thought it was just going to be like a desert, like a Sahara desert. It's actually a, um, a high desert, and there was these mountains of rock, and some of them were several thousand feet tall, with, you know, of course, void of life. And then the desert area was kind of winding into hills and things. So it was an, it was an incredible place, even if you were just going to go there to be creative and get inspiration. I mean, the sunsets were you know, these red sunsets and sunrises and... You know, that in itself was great. And the, the only downside of the whole thing was it was a testing area for the, um, uh, the Marines, and they were flying Marine jets through every day, which could have been a real disaster for me because I get distracted easily. But within my experience, I kind of envisioned these jets being um, shooting stars and comets. And so I convinced myself, especially as I got into the program and I was fasting I was able to do that so I kind of I turned something negative into positive so that was the only thing that was bad about the whole landscape but um, you know over a course of the of the several days you spend six days with a group a small group 
Um, you do process work, which the, you know you you work out things. He, um, I had actually um, went into the desert one day and wrote a, just as an example. I went and wrote a letter to my my mother, who's been dead for 16 years, and um, worked out some of the things that that was you know that I had with her. And then I read it out loud. It was very it was very cathartic to do that. And um, so that was just an example. And then it was things I was releasing. I would burn them in a fire, but during that seven days they, they were kind of weaning you off food um, I'd also um, I was off alcohol for a month I was off desserts because they wanted you to get rid of things that were addictive to be you. as pure as you could yeah. when you got there yeah and I'm not really a big drinker but I just figured okay you know no no alcohol and and sugar would be really good for me and it actually was really a good cleanse so um, you you know like you eliminate those things but during that the seven days, the first seven or six, seven days, you're eating pastas and simple meals and vegetarian meals, no meat. Um, and then, which leads you into the, the day of your fast. So um, the, the first day of the fast, you actually pick a place in this canyon that you're gonna wander off. Um, and you have to, they're very good safety-wise. They, 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 they just didn't let you just wander off and not know where you were because they, they didn't want you to die. Mm-hmm. And there's a real, it was a high potential that something really bad could have happened. But they, they run you to make sure you got the right equipment. We, every day we had equipment checks and you know, what are you supposed to do in an emergency, you know, all these things. Um, so the first day of fasting, you, you take uh, three gallons of water and you find a place that you're kind of led to, you know, spiritually led to a place in the canyon. And I, I, I wandered off with somebody else who was kind of headed in the same direction, which is going to be my canyon buddy. Um, so we're at least within earshot. If something really bad, we can start a chain reaction down the canyon and find out you know, if you need help or whatever. Uh, but we w- I wouldn't see that person because they'd still be far enough away from me. But they, if I had blown a whistle, they could have heard me and, and uh, they could have enacted a, an emergency thing. So um, the first day you find this place, you take your water there, you come back, um, they kind of indoctrinate you to, to leave where you're going to a portal the next morning. Uh, so you've had a whole full day of fasting. They can see how you can react, which is good because that was my panic attack. <laughs> I, uh, I, I laid there after the first night and I was like, what am I doing here? This is crazy. And I, was get, I got the shakes and um, uh, my body was just trembling and I'm laying in, um, laying in my sleeping bag. But I, I kind of just, I reached in and I asked for help. I asked for uh, the help of my, my mom and my dad are both dead. And I asked for ancestors said, you know, this is important to me. I need somebody to, to be there with me. Um, and I got an answer because my heart's palpitations stopped and I got to sleep and I woke up the next morning. And that's when um, I left to go back to the site I picked. Um, so over the course of the next three days, um, I, uh, I wandered into a place where I created this encampment. Um, I'd gone through certain things that I created as ri- rituals that they suggested that'd be helpful for me to really get in touch with my soul. Uh, one of them was a, um, um, I call it a death lodge. So I picked a spot on my site that I wandered in one day and um, I talked to um, my dead ancestors and, and relatives. Um, I talked to my dad uh, for eight hours. I talked to my mom. 
I talked to my dog who drowned um, in a tragic, uh, dr drowned tragically. So I picked people that I missed actually being on their deathbed. I went to experiences with them, but I wasn't there when they died. Um, I picked my grandmother. And then after this whole full day, I laid down and created myself a coffin. Um, my, my sleeping bag became my coffin. And I laid down and I went, I went to sleep and didn't dream for the first time ever, because I dream all the time. And I woke up early in the morning, it was still dark out, and um, I just was, like I say, it was, it was an extreme, ex extreme experience. First of all, not dreaming, and then waking up a kind of a new person. So that was one of the rituals I went through. Um, I wanted to explore why I had the chance, since I was gonna be off on myself, my fear of the dark. Because I was, you know, like, okay, and I'm off, and then I'm, no, there was no, there was a full moon every night, but it was still, you know, middle of nowhere. By yourself, yeah. essentially. Right. So, uh, the last night, which is, you know, prior to me going, trying to find my way back to camp, um, I had intention to stay up all night and do a vigil. Um, and I'd been, you know, when you're, you're in a weakened stage, um, during that that period, I never felt hungry, um, and actually, you, you go through a lot of purging too because you're you're getting rid of all everything that's bad in you is it comes out mm -hmm. um, one way or another, which is that's a that's a whole new story. Hence the water, right? <laughs> hence the water, and the water becomes your your life. You know, without the water, you would have succumbed. Um, so the water to me was I made a ritual out of my water drinking, um, but anyway, within that weakened stage, all my other senses were heightened. Yeah, and you have nothing to do all day, and they actually discouraged me from being in my sketchbook. I had a journal, and I wrote things down, but I didn't do any artwork. Um, and I was resistant to that at first, and I realized that was how important that was, because all the images came to me afterwards. So um, everything else, I mean, I actually could even see the North Star, um, the, se the second to last day, I could see the North Star during the day. My eyesight was so sharp. And I was, you know, and I'm very scientific, and I and I, I checked myself, and I knew where the North Star was because I saw it um, prior in the evening uh, when I was watching the. I know where the star clusters are and all that. Um, so my 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 hearing um, became exceptional. Um, I could hear anything. I could hear anything happening within my area because there's nothing out there besides the, which actually was, you know. The, the jets were irritating because of my hearing was so uh, heightened. Um, so I had all, everything else was, um, like I was there's this, this super heightening of your, of your senses because you're not worried about food. You know, you're not worried about, okay, I gotta get breakfast, I gotta have lunch, I gotta have a dinner. And then the next day it's the same thing. And I didn't realize how much that controlled my life, thinking about, okay, you know, I've, my whole pattern of life is, is surrounded by when the next meal's coming. And that was one of the reasons that uh, the guy who wrote the book was saying how these experiences can be so so profound. So um, the last night, okay, this I'm, I don't know how many hours I'm into the fast, but I've only, I gotta get through the night. And they suggested that you try to do an all night vigil, which is hard to do when you have no energy. And you've been kind of napping off and on all during the day. And, but the last day, I didn't even nap as much because my body was so, there was so much things going on. I've got hummingbirds flying in and, 
and um, ravens were coming in and you know, there was lots of little pieces of synchronicity that were happening all the time. So I set myself up, a, I call a, um, a purpose circle, which I, I prayed in every day and I prayed my, I prayed for um, this earth was the big thing I prayed for. I prayed for the people of the earth and the earth. Um, and the last night, all my kind of my prayers came to, um, true in a way that I actually got I got I got messages back from um, from whatever other dimensions that were out there. Um, so anyway, I had brought all the stuff. I was freezing cold because at night it got down to the 30s. It was 80s during the day and it's like 30s at night. Everything I had had with me, I put on. I was in my sleeping bag, I had two pairs of socks, two pairs of clothes, I had three or four sweatshirts, and I'm physically actually sitting there shivering um, because I couldn't get warm. And I, I think I, there was like, there was one extra thing I had, an, an extra pair, I put on three pairs of socks, and I stabilized my body. And I was to say, now I can sit here. But then I'm like, okay, how am I gonna sit up here for, for you know, the rest of the night, it's not gonna happen, but I, I know I can do it. <laughs> so somewhere, I, I fell asleep, and I'm laying there in like in a, a semi-conscious state, and my eyes shut, and I hear this growling, and you know my body immediately goes into um, high alert, and I knew, you know, I said I remember the story because there's there's mountain lions where I was, and uh, they said they really don't they haven't bothered anybody they they've got a hundred mile territory, but I'm thinking okay that's something suddenly growling at me. And I, I was paralyzed in fear, and I didn't open my eyes, and it got closer and closer, and it was coming around my circle. And, and as, a, as I'm hearing the growling, it was very unearth-like. It wasn't, I said, no, it's not a mountain lion. I've heard mountain lions. It's, it's a demon of some sort that's coming around. And the more closer it got to me, the more frightened I got, the more uh, clenched in. I was, um, the visual for me is I was in a straitjacket and gagged in the bag over my head. Paralyzed. Paralyzed. And uh, something inside of me said, get up, get up, wake up, get up. So I stood up and I said, I'm big. And I said it in my, I didn't say it probably out loud, I said it in my head. And all of a sudden, instantly, I knew exactly where my fear of the dark came from. It took me back to I was six years old. I thought I saw a ghost um, at the end of my bed and I went under the covers and I was in the same thing. I, I, I uh, passed out from fright. Mm. I, I just you know, closed in on myself. Um, and it's like, wow, that's where it was. And I, I got my flashlight out and I started writing this down in my journal. It's, I, if you go back and read now, it's, it's all gibberish um, because it, it was very profound when I wrote it, but when you're, you know, the rest of your, your mind is not working <laughs> functioning properly. Um, so that was exciting. And then the, um, the rest of the evening I stayed awake and there was um, there was singing um, in the, the desert. There was um, somebody was singing to me. There was a whole choir of of, of my ancestors singing to me. Um, and um, the next morning, the light came up. I started drumming again, and I've, um, I connected with my 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 uh, canyon buddy. And this is a little uh, side note. During that that the three days out there, my, I was concerned about my wife. Um, but I wanted to disconnect from that to make sure she had a good experience. But I was concerned about my canyon buddy because uh, we had a place that every 
every 36 hours we, we put a rock into a circle that was halfway between our sites. And that way when I went in like in the morning uh, hours, uh, I would see that he's, he put a rock in or put a rock out of the circle. But the first day I got there, he writes a note saying I, I didn't have my emergency, um, some of his emergency supplies. Uh, one of it was uh, electrolyte tablets in case they had to get us out really quickly. They had to get a, uh, some energy in us. So I'm thinking, I'm trying to release all this and I'm worried about it. And I, I actually went to my site, I got one of my emergency things and gave it to him, uh, which took away from my emergency equipment. So anyway, there's, there's this, this worry I had, even within my experience, that that's part of the person I am. I kind of um, take on a protective um, mm -hmm. um, um, persona. Mm -hmm. And you said your paintings are, did you say, about compassion? Right, compassion. Yeah. So, um, so the first night, I hear um, flute. I had a drum, and he, I could hear flute down the canyon. I go, oh, he's okay, he's playing a flute. So every night about the same time, there would be flute playing. And then the last morning, um, after my experience, I was concerned that he's going to be there because we had to meet at the, this uh, meeting spot where the circles were. And I wasn't sure whether he was going to be ready because that was the time where they put time constraint on us because we had to be back um, at our base camp with everybody else by 9.30 in the morning. Um, so that was the first time I looked at a watch in several days. So I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I had no idea whether he was going to be there. And then I heard this flute playing down in another, the area where our, um, our halfway point was. So I figured, okay, it's a signal. He's okay to go back down there. So after we got back, and we went back in silence, you know, it took us an hour and a half to, um, to travel whatever distance we had to get back to base camp. Um, I talked to him like a couple of days later or a day and a half later, and I said, I really enjoyed your flute playing. And he said, I don't have a flute. <laughs> so he wasn't, he didn't have a flute, he had no musical instrument. So I had some entity of some sort helping me um, relieve my fears by letting me know that he was okay. So that was extremely, that was an extreme profound mm -hmm. supernatural experience. And I'm, I'm open to those because I've had things like that uh, before. So that was pretty cool. And um, anyway, coming home, um, you know, you've got to process uh, an event like that. You know, it, it just doesn't hit you all at one time. Because all of a sudden, you know, all these things come in your head, but then all of a sudden things start coming to you afterwards. So a lot of things came to me in dreams over the course of a, of a few weeks. And um, the big question, you know, I say, I went there for was um, kind of find out what my soul gift was. That was my, my intention. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure that I got my answer. And my answer was not necessarily being, you know, I thought, well, maybe being an artist and giving, showing images is my, is my gift in life. And, and I found out it's really not. It's the delivery system. Because my thread that is constant to my whole life was the compassion is being a compassionate person. And my art is, my, is, the, uh, is the delivery system for the compassion. Oh, um, wow. So that was like, that was like, uh, hit me. It's like, wow, that's a whole different way to look at it. And that's what came to me, and I'd, I'd, I'd written that down. What a gift to yeah. receive from that experience. Right. So from, from last year, you know, with all the other stuff I've done, um, the artwork that I've produced since January of last year, has really 
like been really supercharged with lots of messages, uh, messages of compassion. Um, the first, one of the first things I did, I came back with, and these images are on my website. Uh, they're environmental messages from my time where I spent praying for the earth and people. Um, one of them is called Tipping Point, where I've got man on this big glass platform with all the endangered, some of the endangered species of the world, just balancing on this earth. Originally, it was going to be more positive, where man is sitting there and everything's balanced. But the image turned into exactly what my dream turned into: was no, no, it's not all right. You know, mm -hmm. we're on a tipping point, and all the animals are sliding off the glass. Yes, yeah. you can see them. I've seen the image. You right. can see some of them are clinging. Yeah, and then I have one where I've got these dolphins are in a, a, a uh, the, fra the fragility of the earth, of. Um, the um, the earth is kind of like a just a glass ball full of water that's being it's cracked and draining out and there's uh, some dolphins and whales in there and the dolphin has kind of got a teardrop coming out of its eye looking out toward man mm. so those those are the first images that came to me um, and they're strong images they're not something that somebody wants to hang in their living room um, I had one person said they wanted it and I and I've actually sold several prints since that. But it wasn't my intention wasn't to make money from them. Like most of the work I do now, I don't really care if I make money from it. Um, but it was a strong it was a strong environmental message, uh, and I wanted people to see that and really think about mm -hmm. the work and not just think about oh it's a pretty picture of dolphins and, mm -hmm. and you know a whole, all these cool little um, panda bears and whatever else. So um, they yeah. were they were pretty powerful. Um, in, You're raising a con consciousness. Yeah, raising a consciousness. So um, somewhere in March of 2014, you know, like I say a lot of the things that were coming from were coming from me, um, just spontaneous images. I got, a, I had a dream one night about a, a Vietnam veteran that had post-traumatic stress disorder, and I really didn't even know what that was. I just know I know the word from a friend of mine that I've been a hero's journey with. It's a Marine that uh, went to Vietnam and, and uh, lost 150 of his men over a course of several years. And he actually had post-traumatic stress disorder and he actually helps in a program where he, he works at a retreat to help other veterans with it. So the dream I had, it's like it woke me up and I go, okay, because I've been tracking my dreams and I thought, wow, this is a really powerful image. And um, so, that morning, I open up my email and I get an email from my friend. I haven't heard from him because we don't we only see him uh, every several months. And I thought, wow. Mm -hmm. So I, I got on my computer and I go, I told him about this dream. I said, I don't know what it is, but I think we should work collaborate. And I use the word collaboration um, because I had actually, even though I was doing those things, I hadn't even used the word collaboration. So I said, well, I think we need to collaborate on something. I said, I have no idea if it's something that interests you at all. Um, but I, I just feel that all of a sudden there's a message why you contact me today and, I, and uh, I've had this dream. No he, coincidence. Yeah, and he get back. He got he was on his computer and he got right back to me. I didn't even have to wait a half a morning. He said, "Yeah, he'd be honored to." And I go, well, "Okay." So um, I said, "Okay, I don't know what it is," and because it, I didn't get in anything specific about the message other than the veteran and the post-traumatic stress disorder. So he started giving me these ideas that popping up in his head. And the one that we, we kind of um, like both got gravitated to was involved the Vietnam Wall, um, the Vietnam War Memorial Wall in Washington, D.C. 
and he had his his image was the fact that imagine these these spirits coming from the wall of the of the fifty seven thousand men and women that uh, perished during the war, coming out of the wall and being hugged and embraced by living people. And just to say that itself was like really powerful. Wow! Like, oh, wow! It's like, yeah. And I didn't know how it was gonna what I was gonna do with that because um, he had also mentioned soldiers coming out from past wars, Revolutionary War, World War II, uh, Korea, um, coming out of the same wall. But, you know, the fact that we connected it with, you know, actual people being, you know, uh, welcoming these spirits back. Um, so that's on my website um, that you can see, but it, you, if you look at it, you can see how powerful that, that comes across. And we created two, I created two um, images. One was a smaller um, kind of a study in watercolor, uh, which in itself became a finished piece of artwork. And then I, I, I wanted more detail. Mm -hmm. Something drew me to say, like, okay, I can only get so much detail in this watercolor. So I, I got a, a large canvas, and I'd never worked in a 30 inch by 40 inch canvas. And I said, oh, what the heck, I'm, I, want, you know, I can get all the detail I want in there. Um, and I started detailing stuff out, and um, I've got, you know, it looks like there's 57,000 spirits of soldiers coming out of the wall. And um, so the second image became the most powerful image that we used. And they've, they both uh, used to raise funds for um, the Warrior Connection, which is on the website, which is the, uh, the retreat um, that's created. It's up in, right now it's up in Vermont. And they're trying to raise enough money so they can bring this retreat to veterans uh, centers throughout the United oh, States. Oh, wonderful. So um, they're selling your prints? Yeah, they're, 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 they're auctioning them off. Oh, and wow. they've sold a couple of them so far. Mm -hmm. uh, but they, they're still in the process of figuring out how they get their, their silent auction going and all that. Mm -hmm. um, Let me know and, you know, we can help publicize okay. that on the Local Hearted podcast blog. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. And so the, the painting has become real powerful. The people have seen it and the veterans have seen it. But... More than anything, my friend, like I say, he had um, he had went to all these, you know, being a Marine um, uh, sergeant and being in charge of these platoons and seeing so many of his men perish over the years um, in this in a horrible war. I mean, in every day he he's up and he's reliving that every day, even though he's he's um, he's undergoing treatment for um, post um, traumatic stress. He, um, like I say, he, you know, the people that go through that never really get rid of, rid of it. They just learn how to deal with it. So it, it actually became a very healing piece for him um, itself. So and I realized, wow, this is, it's like a kind of like an art therapy. Mm -hmm. um, like he, he's made some progress? Right. He's, oh, yeah. He had, he had, he actually said he had one night. There's the night I gave him the artwork, um, met him um, with the uh, prince, and the first time he saw the original, and he said that was the first night he had of peace since you know 1967. Ooh, chills. So that was chilly. <laughs> that was so yes. chilly. And I say, um, doing the art, the art itself, that was the first time I started really feeling in other people's emotions. You know, I sat there and I'm painting. I'm painting spirits coming out, and um, then I started doing some research about. Uh, I wanted. I want to make sure I represented women and all cultures into the, uh, the the spirits, and then learning, reading the story about the the nurses that that perished during um, battles, and you know those friendly fire things, and 
you know, I'm painting and I'm sobbing as I'm creating the thing. And, and, and every day it was, it was, it was sometimes it was challenging to, to put paint and see these images. Mm. So that, that, that was the most powerful piece of the first year um, of my new, like I say, my new compassion artwork. Mm -hmm. Where um, is that original? The, I've got the original at home. It's hanging in my basement gallery, which is, is I've, I've got so much art now that I have nowhere to put it. So <laughs> I've got bare walls in the basement and the things are hanging up down there. You're tempting me. I want to see it. <laughs> yeah. And actually my wife's doing a workshop next week and she's going to have people come in and that they're using that for some um, energy healing. Oh. So I thought it'd be great to have all these images down there anyway. There's yeah. lots of good energy down there. What kind of workshop is she doing? Uh, it's on. Um, it's for Barbara Brennan's School of Healing. It's an um, uh, introduction to the school. Um, and teaches people some of the things from the book called The Hands of Light. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hands-on healing techniques. Okay. And it's kind of an introduce them to the school if they want to go on to school. If not, they could go home with some certain um, certain things that they can take at home to, to do uh, hands-on healing with people. Similar to uh, Reiki, mm -hmm. but it's more involved. Mm -hmm. So that you know, it's nice that they'll they'll have that. They'll be surrounded by that you know that energy yes. uh, field down there. Yes. Wow, you know, I have a few things I want to say. First of all, I want to thank you for what you shared, particularly about that vision quest, because that was obviously deeply personal, and I haven't really ever had anyone go that in-depth with me about what that is like to do. So I You're really welcome. appreciate that you did that. And then I guess the word that keeps coming up in my mind is power it's interesting to me I thought I was coming here to talk to you about paintings and it, it turned out because of your perspective that we've talked about much more than that and I really appreciate that it, it sounds like what you're telling us is that you had to clear out a lot of stuff and you did it through this particular method mm -hmm. which for a lot of us would be extremely extreme sounds like for you it was too you had to clear all that out and that's how you did it plus talks with your family and things like that and when you did that a lot came through right to make you the artist that you are and again, I really want to encourage people, you know, some of your work will be on the Local Hearted podcast page and also on your website. Um, when you were talking about what you originally thought was a mountain lion circling you and you stood up, it sounds kind of like you found your power. And that is another image that I see, or at least that's my interpretation, I see in your work. Is that an accurate reflection? Yeah, I think so. That's, I think that's, that, I, I never thought about it in that way. As a matter of fact, I was going to mention, I actually, you know, when I came home, I drew those images. I sketched them and I turned them into um, uh, kind of graphite pencil sketches mm -hmm. uh, which I, I actually wouldn't mind sharing with you now that I've mentioned that because I've only shared them in a small community okay um, and, you. and then you get an idea of where I was I actually even getting back to my architectural I did this aerial view of where my 
camp was and I labeled it where I was and my where my death lodge was and my purpose <laughs> circle and my I called my womb was for the tent which I didn't spend any time I spent all the time outside uh -huh. under the under the stars um, but you're just the first time I thought about that that um, coming into the power is, is really showing probably showing into my uh, my my work mm -hmm. um, that, I'm thank you for pointing that out because I never thought about that. I was thinking about I did come into power for myself, but now it's also showing in other directions. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. And I wonder, do people, when they see your work, do you have the opportunity for people to tell you what they're seeing in it? Yeah, that's exciting. Um, when I do get to talk to people that actually buy my prints, it's exciting because then um, I've gone from. I, you know, because I've been in a, a, in a gallery show before uh, within the Hero's Journey as a fundraiser, and I was able to talk to people there. When I first started doing, I've done three of their, um, their gallery shows for fundraising, uh, people would ask me what, what, what inspired me to do the art. And now I kind of hold back and I, I ask them, okay, what do you see? Mm. Which is good because that's, the, that's what I want is I want to see what they're getting from that. For example, I just sold an original, which was excited about um, uh, a painting I did involved a Native American you know, around the fire, um, and the the fire is dancing, so he's kind of controlling that element. So I got to talk to the person, the gentleman who bought that, um, and see what he got from it, and that was exciting because, um, and, and now I think I'm I'm going to even hesitate to even tell people what, what I'm getting, you know, if, if I, they see a piece of artwork, I'm not going to tell them what inspires me more. I'm just going to keep it just to, the, okay, what do you, what do you, what do you get from it? Because um, that's really where you're coming from, yeah. is affecting other people. Right. And they say, because I, I got something specific from it, but that um, I can keep that to myself, you know, um, unless somebody really wants to know. But I think the most important thing is, uh, if, if I'm going to put that artwork out there into the general public, it's important that what drew them to it, mm -hmm. um, and, um, and not specifically what 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 drew me to that. Mm -hmm. Very well stated. Okay, so when I'm going to speak to the listener for a minute, Jim. When I invited Jim onto the show, I we arranged a place to meet. We are in a park-like setting. Obviously, if I don't do the removal of the background noises, <laughs> you will be able to tell that we're outside and I had asked Jim to bring some of his pieces with him and there is one in particular that he brought that I would just really like you to talk about that piece and I know you just finished saying that you're kind of leaving interpretations up to other people now but right. this is a special case piece so I wonder if you would talk about it. Okay. Well, this um, this is actually um, it stems from the, uh, the the Vietnam Wall painting with my friend the veteran. Um, he had his last retreat. He said there was a um, a veteran there who actually um, is a 12-year uh, army veteran and a combat veteran um, that's been at the retreat, and uh, he had actually been stirred by the Vietnam uh, Wall painting and. Um, he said he had this image and he brought that to his retreat. And um, my friend said, um, would you mind you know, talking to him if he contacts you? And so he, he kind of, as an intermediary, he, um, he exchanged both our names and uh, it's been several months uh, and I haven't heard anything. And um, 
over the last several weeks, um, I got a call from this this, um, uh, this gentleman, and um, we got to talking, and he was he was concerned not to call me because um, you know he he thought that it was going to be very expensive to hire an artist, and we got to talking, and uh, I actually. It was almost spontaneous. I've done this in certain levels, but I had mentioned I really don't want to charge him for the painting, um, but I would like him to pay, uh, kind of pay it forward, which means if I do something, I, um, I'd like to have him do something for somebody else. Um, and then I like the concept because I've used it before. Um, there's a group in Asheville we used to be involved with. Um, they were um, actually healers that were passing on their, their modalities onto somebody else. Mm. Um, by helping somebody else, like you do a massage for somebody. So I like the concept of pay it forward, and it was also that movie about pay it forward. So I just, from especially from what he had talked about and what what his experience was that he wanted me to portray um, from the experience, I just thought, well, I just wanted just want to be involved with this project, and I don't want it to have money being something that's going to be in the way of it. Which is, you know, that's nice when you can just do something, you know, creative. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if I'm doing it for myself. So uh, he had a specific image and a story that he had, and actually, just, um, there was a, a I think a song that went along with this image. And the image, I will, um, the image will be posted um, on your um, site mm-hmm. to show it. Um, but it's, it's um, do you want me to describe it here? Would it be easier? Or, we or can just do talk? both. Maybe we can start, does it have a title that I can put so people know this is the painting we're talking about? I would just say, um, for now, and I don't have a, we don't have a title, but we'll call it the Crusader, because it involves the elements. There's a um, Crusader's helmet and a... Uh, and a sword and a, um, and a knight or a soldier um, walking off into the, um, uh, the sunset. Okay. So you'll be able to find it from there. Uh, but it was, it's another, another powerful image. Um, I felt honored to have him come to me, first of all, because I'm kind of an outsider in veterans um, are within their own community, uh, especially ones that have been to um, horrific experiences stay within that community to share that. So I feel honored that he's come out of the community into where I am and um, brought me into that mm-hmm. um, to help him um, uh, with his piece. And so right now this is about, this is probably even um, more important than the Vietnam Wall piece because this collaboration is actually somebody from the outside, my small circle of friends and community. And um, I actually have been advertising to do collaborations with people it's on my website um, and I have that um, as one of my pages and some of the things I've done of collaborations mostly say have been within a circle of friends so somebody I've known mm-hmm. um, and I'd like to go outside that more so this is kind of like my break in to do that mm-hmm. um, I chose not to charge because of the pay it forward because this to me is very important mm-hmm. because it's going to be on something personal you know, somebody comes to me and say, I've got this image or whatever, and it shows me my part of my journey. But this journey that this, this, um, um, this veteran has is going to be a, really, a major healing piece that he's going to uh, take uh, with him. You know, in addition to being healing for himself, it's going to be healing others. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the fact, like I say, that is going to come back to me tenfold, the fact that 
I've created something that he can take with him. Um, You're getting what you want. Yeah, I'm getting what I want from it because I can say it's 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 taking taking from my soul. The one thing I'm finding that's important, and I've learned as I get into this, is not put too much of me into it. Take now I told talked about earlier about how I've been putting me into it. Mm-hmm. So there were certain things as we progressed from the sketch, um, you know, sketch to me is actually the easiest part to do it, but when I get into color and create a mood for it, um, I have I can take a lots of license. So this one I had I had an idea I wanted to do in a specific part of the painting and as I was showing it to my client, uh, I you know, because I wanted to see the whole process of this it was good that I mentioned to it because it was it brought up something that um, that was from an experience he had. It was not uh, not a pleasant experience, and it would have um, it would have brought that up and brought it into the painting. Mm-hmm. And I realized it wasn't what we originally talked about. It was me going outside, you know, using my license and say, "Hey, this would be a cool thing to do over here now." Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. it's good because now it reined me in a little bit and just kept kept to the uh, composition that we agreed on. Um, so okay. that's important for anything that I do in the future too, and I think that's going to be something I'm going to be looking for. You're learning about your process, right? Of doing these. So, okay. So this one was done on a pay-it-forward basis. It sounds like you're ready to actually do these for hire. Right. Is that right? That's absolutely right. And like I say, if somebody comes to me that they, you know, like I say their their journey, journeying some some way, or they've got an image or a dream. Um, I'd love to be able to work with them on that uh, on that basis, and I think the more of these to do, the more experience I'll get. And, um, um, and it's like anything else; it's like how do you get this job? I have no experience. Now I've got some experience, <laughs> and it's going to be easier and easier each time I do it. What is the process like of collaborating on a painting? The first thing we did, we talked. Um, he told me his story, and it's like, you know, he was really good and very articulate with the story, and just you know came out and you know had these specific images. And from what he told me, his image, the imagery came right into my head, and I'm very visual anyway. So I actually started jotting things down as he was talking. I'd take some verbal notes, but I pretty much almost had the picture already in my head, composition-wise, after we left our phone conversation. Mm. So from there, I, I, um, I look for reference material because, like I say, it involves, um, he wanted this helmet with a cross, and... A, and a crusader's helmet i never really thought about that i've seen movies but um the good thing about the internet now you can find pictures of pretty much anything so it was helpful but i was deciding okay what you know there's lots of helmets out there um i'd picked the helmet he actually the only thing i did deviate from a little bit he wanted a helmet that was kind of flat headed mm-hmm. um and i had seen one that was kind of a bullet shaped mm-hmm. um and um it just, to me, it worked into the composition a little bit more. And, and I, 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 I ran it by him from an approval standpoint, and I would have gone back to the other one. But um, my intention was first is to get something on paper. Um, I'd start with a rough sketch. Um, it's not all worked out at that point, but it's just kind of thumbnails, thumb, thumbnail sketching. Um, sometimes I'll even do several, several different types of views. Um, but I did those for myself because I didn't want to get too confusing because then I have too many choices. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to get right to the point. And then from that one sketch, then we can go from there. But I didn't want to have to do four or five sketches and then take elements from each one. 
um, mm-hmm. they probably would have confused the issue a little mm-hmm. bit. That makes sense. So from the, this, like I say, from that, uh, he'll give me input. Uh, sometimes in the past, people have actually been marked up my um, the sketches, which is helpful to me too. Um, but he said that he wanted to, to, to be uh, in charge of it artistically because he, he didn't feel it. You know, he was artistic, which I believe is a, is a little footnote. I believe everybody's artistic, and um, I could bring that out of them mm-hmm. um, in some way. But um, that's if they if they want to. But um, mm-hmm. um, as I go into um, becoming a teacher in my future, that's one of the things I want to try to do is you know, subtly get people um, motivated to to want to draw that straight line. So we went back and forth with some sketches, and then. Um, I got, we settle on a specific sketch uh, that's more or less probably exactly where the image is going to look like as far as composition and scales of, of, of objects and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the hard part is actually starting the color because now I've got to take this image and, 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 and throw it into a realistic um, world. So um, I, I spend a day working with color and um, another footnote, as I like I say, I'm not really trained. I never went sufficiently went to art school. Um, I'm in a constant stage of learning, and there's lots of books. I have um, actually some recent books I've read by James Gurney. Uh, one's on color and light, and it's been probably the most helpful book I've ever had. Mm-hmm. If anybody's going to get that book, yeah. So I've. Um, just as recently as of reading the books, I started doing my paintings going back to primary colors. Um, so I, and I'm finding that from the last ones I produced that way, the colors are very harmonious and the, the painting just really pops. Um, so I chose three colors for this. Um, there's a, um, a cadmium red, a cadmium yellow, and a phthalo blue, and I use white to do my tinting. Um, so you mixed everything from those three? Right, Is mixed everything from there. The and I find mm-hmm. all my grays, I, I get all my, my mid-tones, my greens and all that, which is good because I assume if I'd gone officially with the art school, they would have started me out that way in the first place. But uh, I, I have, um, I've bought like every color there is out there because it's easy because it's already, I want a green, I picked the, the hooker. The hooker's green or the phalo green, and mm-hmm. it's you know it's an easy thing. But they, I didn't realize until I started doing this, how much the color, the, like I say, the, the the composition, the colors just really jump off the uh, off the canvases. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about that. So I spent about a day just coming up with a color mode, a mood by um, throwing in some washes and things like that. Good thing about acrylic, for those that are artists, they know that they can just water them down and. And build them up and um, keep adding into them. Creep um, your way into your right. Creeping. Mm-hmm. I had early on. I uh, when before I when I was doing some art lay, a long time ago. I, I did oil painting, um, and I wasn't patient for it because it takes a week before you can mm-hmm. start working over an area. So um, I've enjoyed acrylic also from a safety standpoint. From my standpoint, um, mm-hmm. because I'd worked with some toxic chemicals in the architectural field. Um, that were affecting my health, so I wanted to make sure I, I didn't end up like um, some people do that, that, that from toxicity from from artist materials. Safe studio. Is that painting on canvas or a board? That's on that's on canvas. I'm doing a, uh, several of them. I brought with me are uh, on board. Um, uh-huh. I found that uh, there's a new art art store in town um, that actually has very inexpensive um, 
um, boards. And I did one last year on board, and I realized, wow, I like that. Because, um, you know, there's a different texture to it mm -hmm. altogether. Okay. But I, I go back and forth. You know, mm -hmm. I buy a bunch of stuff, and usually I grab the, the, the next one that's in my pile of canvases. <laughs> so I decided to do this one on a, 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 a gallery-wrapped thing. Um, because I like my artwork not to be framed now. I, I'll take the images and I'll paint over the edges. Mm -hmm. uh, so somebody can just hang that and not have to worry about um, worrying about an ornate uh, framing or something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so and this image you will give permission to view on the Local Hearted Yes, yeah, so and there'll probably page. be more stories. There'll be stories on my website eventually. There, mm -hmm. There's stories on my Facebook page, which links to my website as well. Um, and as the client um, um, allows me, we, uh, uh, we, we'll get more and more information about it if he, if he decides he wants to share okay. with that. And if he doesn't share more information than he did, that's fine as well. Um, but they say the, the ultimate goal for this image will be um, used um, in a way that will um, get out to other veterans and it will be a healing piece. So that's, that's the ultimate goal. On Wonderful. That okay. I. I do have one more question about the process. Sure. One more question. So you did sketches based on an initial phone call. The sketches were approved by the client, and then you started getting into color. And you have been posting some in-process right. pieces just, just on your Facebook. Right. I photograph with the camera. Right? Yeah. Okay. Is there ever a point with this client where there's going to be, okay that's all the stages you're going to see till it's done like is there going to be an actual unveiling yeah or? actually I'm, I'm right that i'm at that point okay. right now because okay. i um i'm now in the detail stage um for example the last one i sent um sent him um and he wants to make sure that the 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 sword and the helmet look like they're really they've been to a lot mm -hmm. um so uh, the last one i sent him was prior to um these scratches and scrapes on the sword and then I'm, I'm now I'm getting into other detail areas where mm -hmm. those things are popping and it and it just and I think I wanted to, to, to end it where I showed it to him because now there's like little subtle things that unless you see them under time-lapse photography um, mm -hmm. you may not notice them until the very end why not get the impact yeah. of the yes yeah, yeah that's like say I want yeah. to look at now okay now the sword looks like yeah. I've got these these chunks that are taken out of it like you you hit another sword at 200 miles an hour and sparks flew off it. So that's my intention uh, with that one. Okay. And then there'll be the little details that I, I seem to put in a lot of my uh, things. I, I do a lot of highlight uh, things like the spark of uh, uh, an energy that comes out of somebody's heart, even though it's, it may mm -hmm. not be real. Um, it's kind of a signature thing for me to, to show that, that um, the th you know, you're at the third eye or somewhere during the heart. I haven't decided whether I'm going to do that with this one or not, but there, there'll be other, there'll be other little highlight things that'll mm -hmm. pop out. Okay, well that's fun to know that there will be an unveiling, and I like knowing that. Now another another thing too, um, early on when I was doing some of this my my new work, I would do a color study, and I realized how for me that really became constraining mm. because I would do. Um, and I used to do that when I was doing commercial art. Sometimes I'd have to, to go and do a, a magic marker study of something. Um, and I tried that with a few of these paintings um, to see, okay, well, I'm going to work out these colors. And, and then it, it'd be on one, it'd be like in a rough. And then I would I'd find myself being too constrained to 
something that with no ability to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, by doing the color now, just being kind of spontaneous, mm-hmm. uh, other than picking the three colors, um, you know, I'll just kind of do a pre-mix on my uh, palette and um, mess with them a little bit, um, but not on a specific image itself. Mm-hmm. So when I'm actually doing the painting, it evolves on, a, on an hourly or a minute-to-minute basis. Uh, especially, you know, I have no reference for the sky in this one. There's a really strong, dramatic sky, you know, and the clouds are evolving just as they go. Mm-hmm. So um, You get to have more fun with them. I have more way. fun with them. And then yeah. they're different a little bit from the pencil sketch because the pencil sketch, they were just kind of squiggly lines. Right. Um, and then... There's other things that changed in it, like the, there's a cross on the helmet that has a little different detail than I originally sketched on there. So wow. that, that's cool because it's it, it's it becomes a living piece because mm-hmm. it's um like I say it is evolving. Yeah. You know, it's almost as if I'm you know same thing if you were sculpting something in 3D. I'm yeah, still doing it in 3D but on a, on a flat two-dimensional surface. Well, I hope people will uh, check it out on your site and my site or one or the other. It's Pretty incredible, and uh, I'm looking forward to the unveiling myself at this point. I'm looking forward to seeing how you finish it. So you had mentioned uh, class, and so I want to just give you an opportunity okay. to talk about that. One um, of my um, during my process of you know going back to my timeline uh, pr- prior to putting my my website together, the free website. Um, I had the idea of um, um, offering a continuing education course for architectural illustrators and architects to teach them some of the things that were being lost. Um, part of my burnout as well was the fact that, you know, and a lot of artists can relate to that, don't do digital. Mm-hmm. Um, if you become a dinosaur and you stick as dinosaur, you're, you're fading away a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's hundreds of artists in Hollywood are now been taken over by people that are really good at computers and I'm not I'm not saying good or bad about the computers but you know for me I I prefer to get my hands full of um, paint and, and have that direct connection with um, with the art so um, so I, I actually I put together um, an eight-hour program um, submitted it to the state of Florida and um, I don't have like I say I don't even have I didn't even finish my college so I don't even have uh, a full higher education pedigree. Um, so I was thinking, okay, I'm going to send this to the state of Florida, and that's the last I'll hear about it. They got back to me uh, because I had my website and showed all the experience I had, and I was very concise about my lessons. They were excited about that, and they approved me to teach um, continuing education course to architects. So it was a, kind of a validation for me to, you know, that my career was really important. You know, I told you when I retired, nobody said anything, but now I've got a group of uh, highly educated people in, in, um, that are running the, uh, all the, the approval processes in Florida for architecture that approved me to, to want to teach this on to other people and pass this information on. Um, but I never, you know, in the process of moving, the time I got approval, I never got to offer that and didn't want to have to go back to Florida to teach a course that travel all that distance to, to, to teach the workshop. Um, so I kind of shelved it for a while. And then this year, since I'm involved, actually I have my art in the gallery in downtown Asheville, I talked to the curator and I asked if, 
if some of the other artists would be interested in learning about uh, perspective. And now my the perspective I do is not always related to architecture, it relates to other things. And a lot of my paintings show, you know, just the perspective of objects being smaller or larger in space. And uh, she, she said yes, so I put together a four-hour workshop and um, I had six people sign up, which was exciting. Um, and it, I was scared because now uh, I'm actually in front of people. <laughs> I've taught people on a one-to-one -one basis. Um, I had one intern uh, that came in, um, but I never had a whole classroom. Um, so anyway, long story short on that one, it really went well. The, uh, the class went well. Um, I found out I wasn't going to be nervous. I thought I was going to be nervous. Um, so I was really excited and pumped up, got good feedback uh, from it. I came home after April and I, I, um, I was thinking where, who else would be interested. And so I applied um, to um, UNC uh, Asheville, UNCA Asheville. Um, has um, a college for seniors, which are retired people. Uh, it's called uh, OLLI uh, for short, and uh, but it's it's basically um, a kind of a community classes, everything from business to art. And uh, they said, well, you can propose a, uh, an idea. You don't have to have been an official teacher mm -hmm. uh, as long as you know your subject. So I wrote to them and didn't hear anything for several months. So. Um, about a month ago, I got an email saying, um, well, we like your idea. Can you come in for an interview in two days? And I was like, oh, great. Now I, didn't, like, I haven't even really planned this thing out. <laughs> I sat through the approval process. It went really well. They, uh, now the time has gone through, I went actually went over and took two teacher training courses from them um, during the day, which was really nice. I got to meet some of the other teachers. And this week, they approved... You know, the high-end approval went through and they said they've approved me for the winter. Um, I just have to, they have to put me on the schedule. Um, and of course I have to have people, at least six people sign up, but I'll be on the schedule. Uh, the course will be called um, Easy Ways to Create Perspective in Art. And I'll be taking my four-hour workshop and turning it into a six-week program. And each class will be like an hour and an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited. I'm a little nervous too because now I've got a <laughs> extend it but I found during the workshop there was a lot of things I wanted to cover and now there's going to be really a lot more hands-on stuff for our people um, and it's going to be not specifically for artists for anybody interested in doing something that's that's kind of realistic that involves perspective and mm -hmm. um, so I'm excited about that and uh, that you. comes up in um, it comes up in January so okay so people dream will be being, able to find yeah, that on yeah. the ollie website is right that, if they go to ollie which is I think it's o-l-l-i-e or o -L -L -I. I think it's o-l-l-i i could yeah. be wrong it, it, i'm yeah, too word, young right. i can't go there yet and as a matter of fact i think i'm the <laughs> i'm the i'm the youngest i'm, I'm going to be 60 next year but i still think i'm the youngest instructor over there um which is they said that you just had to be you know you didn't have to be fully retired and i'm i'm semi-retired so um, I figure I can go Qualify. do that. Yeah. So, so when you know the dates, you can let me know. Yes. And we'll post that too. And I just want to ask you, I'm curious about, I am suspecting money isn't your motivation for no, this. No, I don't get, it's a non-pay gig. <laughs> uh -huh. um, I do get, but it is, I do get good benefits. I get um, credits to take a few future classes. Uh, they have uh, any events that go on at UNCA, I get to go to, and nice. I get free parking. Oh, there <laughs> you go. Smart. 
All right, and you have mentioned your gallery in downtown Asheville? Yes, the gallery is Zapow, Z-A-P-O-W um, Art Gallery. I think it's been voted number two gallery um, or better each year through the local newspaper. And it's the great, from the art community, um, it's great because it's, it covers a lot of illustration. There's, it's the whole gamut of art. It's not just you know, fine art. Um, it's got all sorts of cool artists in there. And I've enjoyed it because now I've got the I've got the network with with artists, and we're not sitting there, you know, um, tearing each other's eyes out because we're competing with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was an architectural illustrator, it was a small field, and you couldn't put us all in the same room without somebody getting a fist fight, mm-hmm. you know, so to speak. I've heard the people at uh, Zapow create a very wonderful environment yeah, for their artists. Yeah, you know, I've learned a lot from them. I've taken we have. Um, uh, occasionally we have critiques where we bring in our art or bring in a project and we sit with other artists and, mm-hmm. and get their oh. opinion, which is really great feedback. Mm-hmm. And the curator, um, uh, Lauren, uh, who runs the place, she's, she, she's an artist, but she's also a very good art business person. So she does a really good job. So we have, the, um, the, there's a new location that's going to be on the uh, South Slope, mm-hmm. uh, but down by the breweries, and I think they're going to do way better than that than where they are now. Where are they going to be? There's going to be more space. There's going to be a, um, a classroom in there. So I, I have a small uh, uh, wall that I have. It's like three feet by 10, and it's going to end up being four by six. Um, and I sell my prints there. Um, I don't make a lot of money. Sometimes I can cover my um, the money I, I pay. I pay a little bit to them, and then they get a commission from each print. So it's almost been on a break-even basis. I've been there for a couple of years. But I also get to test market my my work to see what is calls out to people mm-hmm. um, my first stuff in there was most of my cartoons that I'd created and now I'm, I'm kind of phasing those out and it's mo- most of my current work in there now mm-hmm. um, the work we've even though I've sold about. a lot of cartoons I, I want it eventually just be the uh, the art that evokes the human um, spirit well I appreciated that I knew where you were when I saw one of your paintings, so I just had to have a print of. So I appreciated that you were in there. And I'm excited that you actually, you know, I got to talk to you about it um, because you were the one, another person I would normally wouldn't have seen uh-huh. if we just walked in there randomly and yeah. flew back to wherever you came from or drove back to home exactly. with the artwork. And exactly. even though I do have a, a sheet in the back of all my art to tell my story, and you can touch basically, nobody's really touch base with me in that format um, mm-hmm. other than people I've met in person about it. Well, I'm glad so. then that you came on this show because this is a way for some of those people to really get to know you. So, I should ask you before we close, okay. is there anything you didn't get to talk about that um, you would like to? No, I just I look forward to, like I say, my my artist education. Uh, uh, I, I look forward to constantly learning every day. I don't think I'm ever going to be to the point where I know everything I need to know uh, about what I'm doing. Um, and I'm just extremely happy that the universe has led me in this direction where my uh, I have purpose for being an artist um, because I'm excited every day I, I pick up I pick up something. That's and it's great. actually made me more excited to do some of the things that I make more money with, but you know, because I, I still do things that involve architecture like drawing people's homes and things. But mm. the, the the bread and butter of my creativity is, is to the new, my new avenue. Mm-hmm. That is wonderful. All right. Well, Jim, thank you so much for being here and all that you shared. I really appreciate it.
You're welcome, Meredith. Thanks. You're welcome. Check out the show notes for this episode at localhearted.com slash Jim Stilwell for links to his sites and examples of his work. Jim's work can be seen in person at Zapow Gallery in Asheville, North Carolina. At the time of this recording, December 2016, Zapow is in transition and is expected to reopen at the beginning of January 2017 at its new location at 150 Cox Avenue in Asheville. In the meantime, Zapow is holding a pop-up holiday bazaar on December 17th, 2016, from 12 to 5 p.m. at the Asheville Area Arts Council at 207 Cox Avenue in Asheville. So I encourage you to go to that show and see his work in person. By the way, while you're on the localhearted.com website, if you want to make sure you never miss an episode or site announcement, please sign up for my mailing list. Thank you again for listening. This is Meredith Adler for the Local Hearted Podcast. And the podcast theme music, Learning to Fly, is courtesy of and copyrighted by Jamie Noter Thomas. <laughs>